2: with Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears, Go Bears presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming.
3: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. It's been a little bit since we've last recorded but the Bears have stayed yeah, relatively active um, as much as they can here in the free agent market. And plus, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus have talked at the NFL owners' meetings this past week. So we got some things to cover on this episode. Before we get into all of that though, let's bring in my co-host Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, it's kind of that lull off season again where you know the first wave or two of free agency has passed. And it's going to be April. Now we're just waiting for the NFL
2: draft at the the end of the month. Yeah. You know, it's – and Greg Gabriel actually pointed this out. I think it was last week. You know, he basically said, like, once the owner meters – the owner meters. Wow. The owner meetings. Wow, that was weird. Um, Once the owner meetings happen, um, you know, everything slows down, obviously, for this week. I mean, we've barely seen any signings whatsoever. And then really, you know, once you get out of that, you've only got about, you know, what, three weeks until the draft. And at this point, I think a lot of teams um, are kind of at that point where, you know, if you want to make a few depth signings, whatever. But I think, you know, a lot of these names out on the market may end up having to hold off until after the draft where teams kind of see, okay, you know, we weren't able to draft this position. We weren't able to address this. Uh, let's go out and, you know, get a veteran signing. And I think that that is going to be a spot where the bears especially are probably going to have to hit, you know, obviously we've had this conversation multiple times on Twitter and everybody's saying be patient and so on and so forth. And that's fine, but it'll be very interesting to see because as of right now, the bears only have six draft picks and they have basically two, you know, two seconds, a third, they don't have a first or a fourth round pick. They got two fifths and a sixth. So I mean, just from a math standpoint, and even if they trade down a little bit, you know, you're going to obviously lose some value while gaining some picks. So it's one of those things where they have so many holes on the roster and they really haven't made a ton of moves yet to where obviously they'll be, you know, they'll be pretty active with undrafted free agents. But I think that, Post-draft, I think, is where the Bears can also do some damage as well and kind of fill out the rest of their roster, even if they're not trying to you know, compete, obviously, with the way their roster looks right now. Maybe they're not trying to compete, but they still need to have some veteran bodies in there um, to you know, fill some of these stopgap positions.
3: Yeah, and I think you're right. And, you know, I, I think when we look back at the first week of free agency, the big move that the Bears made was, you know, trying to sign Larry on Jinobi on um, to that big deal and spending that money. And it, it didn't work out as we later found out due to a failed physical. So I, I think they kind of put themselves in a position whether you know that's all on Ryan Poles and whether it's not, where they're gonna have to kind of rely on. You know, finding players in the draft and then finding players after the draft. And then potentially, you know, as we get into the summer with training camp and, and then roster cuts, they're going to have to go that type of route. And as you said, six draft picks. And, you know, for me going in this draft, and, and we'll talk about this even more in the coming weeks, they still have the same holes to fill as they did in free agency. Yeah, they added two wide receivers. Um, but they weren't two, you know, big name, big play wide receivers uh, that you'd feel confident in in helping Justin Fields with. They've added uh, two offensive linemen. You know, one of those guys will be a starter at center. One of those guys is probably a depth piece. You know, Dakota Dozier is someone that really struggled, was on the practice squad of Minnesota. When he played, wasn't very good. And so you have holes there. And you also have holes in your secondary. And, you know, they they let Deion Bush go to Kansas City. Um, Tashawn Gibson is not coming back. And you're trying to find a starting safety opposite of Eddie Jackson. And and you bring back DeAndre Houston Carson, that's fine. Um, You know, he's a solid player on special teams. He can fill in. I don't think I'd feel comfortable with him starting in the secondary going into this year. But, you know, they just have kind of the same holes. They still need, in my eyes, you know, two to three other defensive backs. I'm not comfortable with what they have opposite of Jalen Johnson right now. So we'll just have to see what what Ryan Poles' plan is and what they want to do. But, you know, I think one thing is clear is is they're sticking to their plan, whether the fans like it, whether I like it, whether you like it. They're sticking to this plan, you know, obviously – there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, um, a change with the the failed signing earlier in free agency, but they're going to just, you know, stick to what they want to do. And it, it, it's, for me, it's 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 obviously a rebuild. They're just not going to say that because they have to sell tickets, but that's kind of the road we're going down. It's not going to be a very good team right now. And they, and they still have, you know, needs going into this draft.
2: Yeah. Having needs going in the draft is an understatement at this point. And again, it is what it is. I mean, obviously my expectations were that maybe they weren't going to go out and be reckless in free agency, but I thought at least, you know, them saying what they said at their, you know, at their opening pressers and, you know, they thought that they could compete. And I mean, the NFC is not going to be very good this year, but you know, it is what it is, man. I mean, at this point in time, I mean, you just, you really have to look at it this way and, you know, going into 2023, they're going to have a, a ton of cap space. I mean, really right now, granted, they're only, you know, even after with a draft class and, you know, whatever futures and stuff, they probably have, you know, 35, maybe 40 guys on the roster. And, you know, but a lot of those won't really be those long-term pieces um, but they're going to have, if I had to guess, probably right around you know 100, 500, 10 million going into next off season, assuming you know they don't extend Roquan Smith yet, or, and so on and so forth. And obviously that I'm sure that'll happen at some point. But you know, really, they're going to have a ton of money to spend. And obviously, you think some of that is going to be re-signing some of these guys on one-year deals that actually prove themselves, because that's the entire idea of doing these one-year deals with these younger guys. But and this is something that has been widely debated with Bears fans where you have basically you have a section of Bears fans who are being negative you have a section of Bears fans who are being positive but then there's also a nuanced group that's in the middle that can you know and I I would like to think that I'm in this group because I've both praised moves and criticized moves and I think there there has to be a nuanced approach to this, right? I understand that they're rebuilding and, you know, they're doing whatever. I still think it's more of a retool because I think realistically going into next offseason, and again, maybe I'm wrong and, you know, whatever, but with the amount of cap space that they're going to have and with, you know, they're going to have a full allotment of draft picks, everything else, they're going to be able to make a lot more moves next year and really reshape this roster. And I think the big thing right now is in, in terms of the future and moving into 2023 is, you have to have Justin Fields take that next step forward, you know, most importantly. And then you also have to have some of these one-year guys, these two-year guys, these two-year deals that you have that have to pan out and become, they don't need to become all pro players. I don't even need to become pro bowl players, but they need to be average to above average players and get your talent level up and keep the youth level uh, what it is right now, you know, or, or more the point what they're trying to get it to be. But I, I think the, the biggest concern that I have so far, like you pointed out is, yeah, they've made a few moves offensively, but you know, you're talking about, you know, Byron Pringle, who was basically the number four option in Kansas city, right? Okay, cool. So maybe you slide him into the number two or number three role and he turns out to be an 800 yard receiver and okay, cool. But it's like, and then, and obviously, you know, equanimity, equanimity, St. Brown, it's like that guy, like if he couldn't, if he couldn't cut it, on the Packers roster, with an offense that had pretty much Devonte Adams as far as pass catchers go, then I just don't understand this thought process of you know oh they just underutilized him he, he was just underused it's like well maybe that's the case and maybe I'm completely wrong but his contract says otherwise his contract says that he's a vet minimum signing with absolutely zero guaranteed dollars and that he's gonna basically come in and compete for a bottom end roster spot and hope you can get some upside out of him obviously he's still young but. It's just one of those situations where, you know, even looking at the offensive line and, you know, I'm sure we're going to get more into the whole Ryan Bates thing here in a little bit. I'm not going to fault Ryan Pace or Ryan Poles for that. But the only offensive line move, substantial, real offensive line move that they made is Lucas Patrick. And again, I like the move of Lucas Patrick because you're upgrading at center from one of, if not the worst center in all of football and Sam Musifer. That's great. And I think that Lucas Patrick can be an above average center for the Bears. I mean, he has played above average football, actually pretty dang good football over the last two years for the Packers. And, you know, kind of a, uh, a fill in type role where he's basically seen at least 13 starts over the last two years, you know, in each year. But again, you're talking about a rotational piece and this guy's already 29 years old. So when you start looking at the long-term pieces or lack thereof that they're, that they're, you know, these moves that they're making offensively. And I, I understand that the draft is still going to happen, but again, you have two second round picks and a third round pick, and then you don't pick again until the fifth. You don't have a first, you don't have a fourth. That's a lot of pressure. Even with a trade down where you're recouping some value, that's a lot of pressure to go in and say, I mean, objectively speaking, the bears need, at least two more receivers, at least, because even if you think that, you know, St. Brown can be somebody, and even if you think that Daz Newsom can take the next step, you still need at least one guy that profiles as a one or two, and you need another guy that profiles as a three or four, and then you have to just bank on some of these other guys, you know, breaking out or whatever, but then again, you look at the offensive line right now, okay, cool, so you replaced you know, Sam Mustafer with Lucas Patrick, but you still have a massive hole at right guard right now. If the season was to start today, and I get that it it's not, but if the season was to start today, you'd be starting Dakota Dozier, one of the worst, objectively, one of the worst offensive guards in the league in 2020. And that's who you would have starting at right guard right now. And then obviously, you know, brings up kind of the question. At tackle as well. I don't think either Borum or Jenkins are really well suited um, for left tackle. I think they're both either right tackle or one of them's going to have to slide in the guard. And who knows, maybe, maybe they get lucky and they end up getting a left tackle in draft and, you know, Tevin Jenkins can play right tackle. I mean, obviously there's some real upside there and maybe Larry Borum slides inside or vice versa. I don't know, but there's still so many questions on this roster right now. And you're, I mean, we haven't even really addressed tight end yet. I know that's kind of flown under the radar a little bit, but I mean, that's another one where you're just kind of looking at this, this roster right now and outside of hoping that Justin Fields is the guy and saying, okay, you know, they got a pretty good running back room right now outside of that. It's like, there's so many questions and holes. And again, it doesn't circle back to yeah, you know, you're expecting them to win eight, nine, 10 games and make it to the playoffs. You're not expecting them to have a winning season, but what you're expecting when you look around the league at the, you know, the, the five quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round, you know, obviously you got Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields and Mac Jones, right? Well, look at Mac Jones situation. Mac Jones stepped into one of the best situations in football that a rookie can absolutely step into. And I think, for the most part, Trey Lance did too, because San Francisco was obviously really good. They got some good offensive weapons and he just basically sat the majority of the year. He's probably going to start this year, but then you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars for as awful of overpays as they've had at some of these positions, you know, obviously Christian Kirk. Um, and then, you know, the same thing was a Jones and, you know, giving, uh, even giving Brandon Scherf the money that they gave him. He's a good guard, but I mean, they gave him elite guard money, but again, they had the money to spend, and they went out and they improved their offensive line. They improved their, you know, the receivers. They're not done yet. They still have a ton of draft picks, high round draft picks that they get to use. Those are the kind of situations where we could be looking a year or two from now and saying, okay, you know, did the Bears really do everything that they couldn't? Again, I understand that it's still early. The Bears could end up, you know, they could end up taking, you know, two receivers and a tackle or a guard in their first three picks. And maybe things pan out. But again, like when you're looking at those first three picks or those two second round picks and the third round pick, the chance that all the chances that all three of those guys are going to pan out that all three of those guys are going to become really good players is not high. That's just historically accurate there. It's not going to be high that all three of those guys hit. Now you have to hope that two of the three guys hit. But again, that's just a lot of pressure to put. And it's just kind of getting their situation where the bears have kind of backed themselves into a little bit of a corner where you can't say that, yeah, we need to put more talent around Justin Fields. You know, obviously coaching plays a part here as well. And you have to hope that that's going to be substantially better, but at least on paper, again, objectively speaking, this is a really bad offense. I think the only offense that you can really truly make an argument that is worse right now, like, you know, without a doubt is the Falcons. But outside of that, it's like you start looking around the league. And even if you look at the, you know, the other four quarterbacks are taking the first round. It's hard to make an argument against the bears, not having the worst situation around their second year quarterback.
3: Yeah, you're right. And, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to blame Ryan Poles for any of this. He is essentially cleaning up the mistakes that Ryan Pace made, um, you know, with this roster and, and, and what Ryan Pace did was he, he mortgaged the future a couple times During the draft, by trading draft picks, trading up for players, you know, Anthony Miller, Mitch Trubisky, excuse me, guys like that, and then also moved money down the line in future years. And now the bears are paying for it. I mean, this is going to be a complete roster overhaul. Um, you, you see right now, there's not a ton of players that are returning that were impact players or starters from last year's team. You know, they traded Khalil Mack, which is fine because you're going to, have to get out of that contract. Eventually he's not, he's not, when you're ready to win, he might not be still in his prime or, or still at the level you want him to be at, and you're paying him a lot of money the next two years if you didn't trade him. So that move made sense. He, he it's just, it's what we have to accept, and what we have to live for. I, I do think they could have done a better job, definitely helping out Justin Fields, going out and getting one of these linemen, going out and getting a wide receiver. I just you know, and we saw what the first what the first two to three moves that they made were on the defensive side of the ball. And when they go in and kind of sign some low tier type free agent players, you know, now maybe Brian Brian Byron Pringle is you know turns out to be a good receiver and earns another contract here in Chicago. That's fine, but outside of the Lucas Patrick signing, I mean, there's no real impact to help Justin Fields at all. So you're right there, but it's just it's a product of having to clean up mistakes from the previous regime, having to overhaul the roster how you want to overhaul the roster. And you have some key players on both sides of the ball. You know, Eddie Jackson's getting a fresh slate. They said, you're going to build around Roquan Smith, Jalen Johnson, and then you look on the offensive side of the ball, obviously it's Justin Fields and David Montgomery. You hope Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum could be franchise players. I'm in agreement with you. I think the Bears got a guard and a right tackle. I know they're probably going to try out. You know, Ideally, I think what's going to happen is we are going to try out Borum at right tackle. They're going to try him out at left tackle. They're going to try Jenkins at, at, at left tackle. They're going to try him at guard in, in this offseason. But they kind of maybe need, you know, a, a veteran free agent where they kind of had last year. Now, I don't think it's going to be Jason Peters, but, you know, you go out and get a, a guy. What happened last year was Jason Peters, and he, and he holds down the left tackle spot for pretty much all season. You're going to need that in case one of these guys fails. So I, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious to see what the rest of their moves are going to be. I'm not expecting anything crazy. I, I think, you know, on that level, expecting something crazy would be they go out and somehow make a trade for a, a big name wide receiver, or they go out and make a trade for a big name defensive back or offensive lineman. I don't see that really happening. I think they're gonna they're gonna try to address wide receiver, offensive line, defensive back in the draft. They're gonna try to, you know, maybe find another linebacker in the draft, maybe after the draft with free agency. And they're gonna kind of construct this roster essentially, quote-unquote, on the fly, building towards 2023, as you said, because they have the, they have their picks next year. They have a ton of cap space. They have a first-rounder. You know, ideally, Bears fans don't want to hear this, but, you know, you'd like that first-rounder to be in the top five because then you can get an impact player next year's draft and kind of build for what and you're ready to, co- to compete there in 2023, 2024. Let's talk about a player, though, that, that you mentioned because – this was new since last time we talked the bears brought in Ryan Bates, offensive lineman for Buffalo, you know, in for a meeting, he visited with new England, he visited with Minnesota. He ends up signing an offer sheet with the bears. And as a restricted free agent, essentially the bills have the first chance of refusal. They can match that offer sheet. And typically when this happens, you know, we saw it a couple of times, you know, we saw it with Kyle Fuller going to get an offer sheet, Um, There was another example recently. I can't remember who it was on the Bears that got an offer sheet, but the Bears haven't signed anyone like this in a long time. I think it's been 12 to 15 years since they've actually landed an offer sheet like this or or some crazy stat like that. uh, Brad Biggs had it on Twitter. But what happened was, you know, Buffalo waited. They waited until essentially the last day or so and They matched the sheet. They they signed him. It was a four-year deal. It came in. I, I thought Ryan Poles was aggressive. I thought that would be enough to, to get it done. Because when you see a guy who you know hasn't started many games get an offer like what Ryan Poles did, that that you know that's kind of a big deal. And the other thing I'll note, I'm kind of curious to see if you'll agree with me here. We've seen this all throughout the NFL numerous times. You in these situations, you can construct contracts that makes it really hard for opposing teams to match. And I don't know what the full offer was the construction of it, but I think playing in the bears and not in the bears favor is they didn't have a ton of cap space this year. So maybe that was another factor that, that Ryan Polis couldn't really, you know, maybe couldn't put in the offer that, that he really wanted that he thought would get it done essentially.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, and, and that kind of brings up another thing, you know, with, with Ryan polls is, you know, some people were upset with him over that. And it's like, Really, you know, he took an upside swing at a guy that he clearly saw a future with. And unfortunately, Buffalo matched. I mean, like you pointed out, you know, in terms of the Bears in these type of situations, the last four times that this has happened, right? I mean, you got to basically go back. So obviously you had – Kyle Fuller, who was basically, he was transition tagged and, you know, Green Bay made him an offer. The bears matched right away. Right. And then you had before, you know, I, I guess it was, what was it the next year after that um, you had Cam Meredith, who was a restricted free agent um, signed to a original round tender. He was an undrafted free agent. Um, New Orleans gave him a deal. The bears decided not to match due to medicals. Obviously they made the right decision. And then a little bit before that they went after, Uh, Josh Hill, who was a tight end with uh, New Orleans, more of a blocking tight end. And again, New Orleans waited until the last possible second match. And then you go back, you know, back to, uh, you know, way back when, when Ricky Manning uh, was, you know, a guy that the Bears basically poached. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, poaches a restricted free agent. That was the last time that there's been any sort of real action when it comes to that. And again, I I don't mind Ryan Poles approach at all with this, because here's the thing, like, you know, it, it's one, of, I know a lot of people were talking about, well, you know, you can construct it in this crazy way where you put a bunch of money up front and it's, you know, it basically turns into a poison pill contract. Well, a poison pill contract is no longer a thing. That was, that's, it hasn't been a thing for a long time for that exact reason. So what Ryan Poles decided to do is he said, you know what, let's see how much you like Ryan, you know, let's see how much you like Ryan Bates, you know, we're going to give him a four-year deal. This guy has started five total games or five or six, whatever. I mean, it, regardless of the fact, it has been much. This guy has barely started any games for you. He's been a depth piece. He's going into his fourth year. He's 25 years old. Let's see how much you like him. We're going to give him a four-year, 17 million dollar offer. We'll see if you match. If you match it, then obviously you like him. You know, you you commit to him for at least the next two years, and then you know whatever. And and I think some people got mad at the at the structure, mad that it wasn't more money. But the reality of it is is he's not even a one-year starter. He's not even a half a season starter. And again, I I have no issue with their approach because I do think that that's one of those upside where not only did the Bears value him, but obviously Minnesota and New England were clearly interested because they brought him in for visits and the Bears were able to beat them out in terms of being the actual offer sheet. But obviously Buffalo um, valued him as well. So, you know, it's just, it's a tough situation where again, yeah, the structure can play a little bit, but as we've seen, throughout this entire off season with within the bears own division with the green Bay Packers, where they went into this off season, you know, 50,000 or sorry, $50 million over the cap. And somehow they were able to re-sign Aaron Rodgers. They tagged Devonte Adams originally, obviously traded them, but they've made a few moves since, including locking down some of their key players that I don't think anybody assumed that they were going to be able to lock down with Devondre Campbell. And then obviously Roswell Douglas, and they've made a few more moves since. So, what it goes to show is there's no real structure that the Bears could have done, legally speaking, without it being a poison pill or anything like that, that would have made it to where Buffalo wouldn't have been able to match without making a few moves. I think really what this came down to was them saying, this is how much we value him. Do you value him the same? Because if you don't, you won't match it. And if you do, you're going to match it, and we're out of luck. And that's exactly what happened. So I think the more – Frustrating aspect, whether it's frustration with polls, frustration in general, is that the well has somewhat run dry with the interior line market because they've said Lucas Patrick is going to be their center. I think the reason that he's going to be their center is because, you know, Luke Getze wants somebody who is familiar with him and his offense playing you know the center point of the team obviously with the center position and having a young quarterback in justin fields like that is a good segue into a brand new offense his third offense in three years keep in mind so it's it's just one of those things where i don't think that jc treader is really much of an option for him obviously teron teron armstead's already signed with miami you know, a a tackle Like you start looking at the free agent market right now, there's not a ton out there. I mean, Eric Fisher could make some sense. There's a few names that could make some sense. One guy that I actually really liked was Billy Turner. And obviously he ended up signing with Denver. I thought that would have made a lot of sense just because once again, he knows knows the offense, he knows the blocking scheme. He can literally play any spot on the offensive line. I think that would have been a good stopgap for, you know, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, you're able to draft your left tackle in the second round highly unlikely, but, you know, let's just say that you are, then all of a sudden you can either slide him into right guard or he's really good depth for you. You know, obviously we've seen, you know, the injuries are going to happen on the offensive line. Maybe you even think about cutting uh, Cody Whitehair after June 1st, you know, who knows, but you know, in, in a better case scenario or more realistic case scenario, you sign a guy like Billy Turner and you say, okay, we're going to put you at one of the tackle spots. He played tackle last year. He played guard last year. He played all over that line last year. He's played, he's played right tackle, left tackle, the Packers since he was since he signed with the Packers three years ago so that would have been a good move Dennis Kelly's another one that you could probably plug and play at right tackle um, as well so they still have some options um, so I, I can't let's just put it this way I think you can be frustrated with the lack of offensive movement and the lack of offensive commitment or whatever you want to call it but I don't think you can be mad or frustrated with Ryan Poles about the cap construction of everything. For one, I mean, I think that's obvious. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast for two years now about how idiotic Ryan Pace was with some of the moves that he made and the money that he moved around to make things work with older players in a sinking ship, essentially. Um, but I think the other thing is, you just can't—you can't get upset at the the, the structure and how he went about the thing with Ryan Poles, because he went about it the best way that you possibly could. He basically, he betted that the, that the Bills weren't going to value Ryan, uh, you know, they weren't going to value Ryan Bates as much as the Bears did. And unfortunately for the Bears, they did. They locked down their guy for measly money. I mean, if he's a starter for the next four years, and he's, you know, the player that everybody thinks he can be, then that's an absolutely outstanding deal. But you also can't fault the Bears for trying, but that's about the best they can do.
1: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.
3: Yeah. And you know, you're right. I mean, there's just not much out there in terms of a solution at these key positions. I mean, you mentioned guys but those aren't guys that are going to be long-term solutions. You know, the best case scenario there, you know, if you bring in someone like Dennis Kelly or Eric Fisher is, hey, maybe they play really well this year and, you know, let's give them another contract for another one to two years. But that's very rare. That that just does not happen very often. And they're just in a position right now where they are, they're going to have to fill these holes and they're going to have to do it, you know, with guys that are, are not, you know, being highly sought after and, and are just going to be plug and play guys. And, you know, it's unfortunate they couldn't get Ryan, um, Ryan Bates in here, but you know, that's just, that's kind of how it is. And it, you know, Buffalo call them and, and Buffalo, you know, answer that call. So, yeah, we do value him. We're going to keep him. So, yeah. So, the other thing we should probably talk about before we wrap things up, though, is the um, the recent signings that the Bears have made since we've last talked. And, you know, we'll start um, – let's just kind of start with today's as we're recording this here on Wednesday. They bring in Safety Dane uh, Cruikshank out of Tennessee. And, you know, it, it, for me, it's a, it's a depth signing. It's a guy that, um, you know – is good on special teams can contribute on special teams and maybe be a good depth piece there in the secondary as a safety. He's not a guy you expect to really come out and, and, and be a standout or anything like that.
2: Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I think, you know, what I will say is there are some Titans people who, who seem to think that he was actually a very valuable piece of the defense. Really? I think this is more of like a DeAndre, a slightly younger DeAndre Houston Carson.
3: Yeah, I I think that too. And, Actually, like looking, he's very in the in the in the brief time I've had to kind of study him because it, it literally did happen when like right before we we got on to do this podcast. Um athletic. He looks very, very athletic. And a guy, um I, I actually just saw from our friend uh Kent Lee Platt of Math Bomb on Twitter, who does the Raz RAS football and the relative athletic scorecard for him in 2018 was 9.69, which ranks 43rd overall out of 1,365 prospects, which is pretty good, but that always doesn't always, you know, transfer over to good play on the field. So, yeah, I see an athletic safety, um, maybe a guy that, that could that would start over DeAndre Carson alongside Eddie Jackson. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where they play um, a, a lot of these guys. And then the other signings, obviously when the whole um, thing about the failed physical went down a couple Fridays ago, they brought in Justin Jones right away. And then they also signed. Um, – I'm definitely going to butcher the first name. It's al Kodin Muhammad out of Indianapolis. And it's two defensive linemen – and Muhammad, you know, he's a guy that, that's coming off a solid year for the Colts, um, a guy that's going to get after the quarterback. But that one year last year was his best year of production. and wasn't even close, you know, six sacks with the Colts last year. At, you know, before that, he only had two sacks in 2020. And I believe it was three in 2019. So he's got 11 total sacks and more than half of those came in 2021. And then with Justin Jones, you know, a guy that they brought in to probably play be their three technique. But looking back, he didn't play a ton of three technique or wasn't there permanently um, with the Chargers. So, again, moves that the Bears hope, hey, maybe some low risk, high reward that we can kind of uh, maybe, you know, get be surprised and these guys take that next step and be key pieces. I don't know. It's kind of seems where we're at now with all these contracts.
2: Yeah, and kind of to break this conversation up a little bit. And obviously, this is a podcast, so most people are going to see this tomorrow. Yeah, there's been breaking news in the NFL world. It has oh, nothing no. to do with the Bears. Um, Bruce Arians is retiring, and apparently Todd Bowles is expected what? to, uh, yeah, be the new head coach of the uh, the Buccaneers. So, oh
3: man, that's why Bowles maybe didn't get a job anywhere.
2: Yeah, that, and I mean, maybe I, I'm assuming I. I if I had to guess, and this is just completely speculation, I wonder if maybe the Tom Brady stuff had a little bit of a play in that as well, because it sounded like there was some tension there last year. But I just thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, obviously, again, not Bears related, but still relatively big news. Um, all things considered, and congratulations to Todd Bowles. I mean, he will become what is that the the third minority head coaching hire um. of the cycle, right? Cause you had Mike, Mike, yes. Mike Daniels, or Daniels and then, um, uh, Lubby Smith. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Three. that's kind of a shame considering there's 10 hirings, but yeah, you know, that's at least there's at least some progress over. Yeah. I mean, kind of going back to the bear stuff, uh, you know, again, man, it's just a lot of these are, are depth moves. I think the, you know, the al Muhammad signing, um, that makes a lot of sense, especially after you trade Khalil Mack, right? It's kind of one of those, now you kind of slot him in, whether he's starting, whether he's rotating, um, you know, and now you're kind of giving a little bit of depth there. And that's kind of funny because you look at the, if you look at the defense right now, realistically, that defensive line is in pretty solid shape, right? I mean, you add another linebacker and some depth at linebacker, and your front seven still going to be in pretty solid shape, all things considered. So- better,
3: better shape than what we thought it would be, I'd say, early in free agency when we knew Hicks wasn't coming back and we found out Nichols was going to Las Vegas. Um, yes, yeah, so I agree. I think it's it definitely better shape than what we at least thought it was going to be.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, but again, a lot of these guys, it's kind of one of those, you know, some of these moves have, they're they're basically, you know, they're kind of prove it type deals, right? You know, the same thing, even, you know, we've already talked about it, but the same thing with Nicholas Morrow, you know, he's one of those guys where he's still young enough where if he stays healthy and plays well, he's going to get a nice contract next year. And he's probably going to get a nice contract from the bears on top of Roquan Smith. So it's just one of those situations where, Ultimately, what it comes down to is you have to hope that a few of these guys, these younger guys, you know, 25, 26, 27 years old, will come in, they'll play well, they'll earn extensions, they'll become pieces of a better team that hopefully, you know, this time next year, we'll be hoping we'll be contending for a playoff spot, not a Super Bowl, but a playoff spot. And I think a lot of that will have to do with the overall roster development. And obviously, and then obviously, Justin Fields being the big one, but You know, it's very clear to see what direction they're going in right now. And I think the rest of their free agent moves are probably going to be more stopgap options. You know, they, at least to my knowledge so far outside of Dakota Dozier, who's 30 years old, they haven't added anybody over the age of 30. So I think that kind of gives you an idea. Like they want to give some of these young guys a shot. And then now I think you're going to start seeing, you know, names. And again, this is not sourcing. This isn't anything just kind of, you know, tying dots together in terms of like, you know, past, you know, past ties to the coaching staff, maybe a guy like Xavier Rhodes, who's in his thirties, right? You know, those kind of moves. Eric Fisher, also in his thirties, like those are the kind of moves that I would expect post draft, where you're basically saying, "We know these guys aren't long term pieces, but we need better talent on the roster, and you know, we're not going to be able to get that through the draft." Or they are, you know, hypothetically speaking, the internet didn't get that through the draft. Let's just say the draft is over with at that point. So, I think. Again, we may see a few small, smaller signings with some of these young guys, but I think you know the big money is being done. You know, it's done being thrown around, and I think from now on, it's just going to be trying to fill out the roster and trying to feel as competitive of a team as possible without allowing aging veterans to get in the way of younger players. And I think that's kind of where things are going to be at. I mean, it is what it is. Again, I have no issue. I mean, you, you made a comment about it not too long ago. You know, a top five, top ten pick. I have no issue with that. I really don't because I think that, you know, one of the best ways that the bears can get good again and stay good is obviously through the draft and what better way than to have high round picks in every, you know, in in every round and have, you know, your full allotment of draft picks first, second, third, fourth, fifth, you know, it's like, that's what the bears need. So I have no issue with that. I have no issue with them not being good this year. My bigger concern is just getting enough talent around Justin Fields to allow him to take the next step. So that way, this time next year, when we're talking about free agency and we're talking about the draft and we're talking about the overall outlook of this team moving into 2023, we have an optimistic outlook because Justin Fields, we know Justin Fields is the guy. We know that he's going to be one of the next great quarterbacks and I think in order for that to happen, obviously, some of that is on him. I'm not I'm not in any way dismissing that, but I think that the Bears would be doing themselves a disservice if we get through this offseason, and they don't add any more substantial pieces on the offensive line and or receiver.
1: You ready?
0: Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy.
1: What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah.
0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy.
1: Fall guy. That's what the poster said.
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make
1: out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah,
3: and I agree. And, and, you know, not to have a doomsday scenario, but, uh, you know, there is a scenario where Justin Fields is does take the next step is good and the bears don't have, you know, the weapons around him that we imagined or wished he would have, you know, that, that is a very real scenario. They could, you know, go in and draft two rookie wide receivers have Darnell Mooney Pringle and maybe, you know, one or two other guys. And he still have a nice season and and takes that next step because like, you know, I've said, that's the only thing that matters going into next year and in next year is Justin Fields' development. So, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of where we're at right now. It's just, you know, it's been kind of a slower off season, but it's just the plan for the Bears and what Ryan Poles wants to do. And we just kind of have to sit back and wait and see what, the, what they do in the draft. I, I think it's going to be an exciting draft weekend for the Bears uh, coming up at the end of April. I, I think they'll hit on some picks here and, and, and get their guys, and we'll get to finally see, you know, what Ryan Poles and his staffs um, this strategy is uh, for the draft because now we've gotten a taste of it early on in free agency. I think it'll be a little different next year, but we'll get a little more of a feel of, of where they at and, and how they like to operate on, on things.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, and obviously there's going to be some changes. I think, you know, establishing Cliff Stein as the business guy, the cap guy is, is a huge move for him. Uh, I think that was one of Ryan Pace's biggest mistakes. And then also obviously, you know, they have Ian Cunningham, they have some scouts, but there's going to be a lot of changes after the draft. A lot of these scouts and, you know, the, the college director and, the you know, the pro scout and all that stuff, like all of those guys' contracts run out after the draft. So there's going to be a lot more changes and, you know, obviously things will be different next year. But, yeah, I think this is going to be where the meat of their talent comes from this year. The, the meat of their new players and the new important players for the future comes from this offseason is going to be through the draft, which is the way it should be. Um, now we just have to hope that they can do enough offensively and hopefully find a defensive piece or two to kind of, you know, again, like the outlook just needs to be more positive and there needs to be a clearer direction coming out of 2022, moving into 2023.
3: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And even if this is a rebuilding year, um, which it very well is going to be, you know, there's still positives that can come out of it. And, and like you said, the clear direction has got to be the main thing. And I think we might have that. We'll, we'll see in the coming months and and uh, how it all plays out. But Aaron, uh, where can we follow you on Twitter at?
2: Yeah, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on the bearreport.com.
3: Yeah. And you can uh, follow the bear report on Twitter at just bear reports. You can follow me on Twitter at Z A C K underscore Pearson, and we'll have some more draft stuff coming up here in the coming weeks. Kind of get you ready for that at the end of April. And also the bears will be uh, at Hellas hall for workouts and, um, the extra mini camp that they get for hiring. Matt Eberfluss will have covers that as uh, of that as well. Please rate, review, and subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. And until next time, everyone, please stay safe.
4: When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.